Nation, we're back again with another RBT live stream. Today we are joined with a very special guest, Trevor Sikama from the Draft Network, Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. He does everything and anything. And as always, my good friend, Michael Pless. So first things first, Trevor, how you been? How you doing? And what's what's on your mind? No, no, uh, um, it's, 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 it's good, been man. good. And it's been... Good. Uh, it's been uh, a change moving to the Carolinas away from Tampa. That's something that I was doing this off season, but everything's going great. I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. I really do. Oh, thank you for coming on. And Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Thanks again, Trevor, for, uh, for joining us. It's uh, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, I know we had you on uh, last year before the draft and uh, really excited to uh, talk some Bucks football, among other things uh, tonight. Me too, man. And it's, again, very cool to see you in the face last time we had you on the podcast it was just a freaking phone call and i was about yeah you guys it. have upgraded right you guys have bit. upgraded the uh the live stream pie so uh, you know i'm uh it's 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 my honor to be on <laughs> it just takes years that's all it does it just takes years we're at, we're at snail's pace but it's getting better getting better every day that's all that matters right we even yeah. last we ended we were like we should bowl it up someday like just do some one-on-one or five-on-five basketball, and we didn't do shit at, at that at all. So, and now you're in North Carolina or the Carolinas, we can't do shit now. I know. I don't know. I know. Probably a little bit more difficult now. All right, there's no. You can't even play in a basketball court right now. But uh, other than that, let's let's talk some Buck football and let's get your take on Tom Brady coming to the Buccaneers. I mean, everyone thought it was impossible or improbable it would happen. But, <laughs> but guess what? He's a Buccaneer. I just want to hear your take on it and. We'll get your feedback from that. Yeah, it's wild. Um, certainly never would have thought that this would have been the case. I always believe, you know, very few times in sports we have these opportunities where you have the storybook ending, right? I mean, it's it's a championship team, uh, a, a championship quarterback, a championship coach, and they get to stick together through it end, and a guy gets to stay on the whole team for his entire career. I thought that that was going to be the case with Tom Brady. After we got to... After we got to the year like 12, 13, 14 of him being on the Patriots, I was I was just like, there's no reason for him to really go anywhere. It doesn't. They're still competing for Super Bowls, but even if they kind of start to fizzle off, a 15-year career, I mean, you could just call it a career and walk off as one of the greatest of all time. So I felt like he could have done that. And even this past year with uh, with the loss to the Titans, I mean, unless Tom Brady is waiting to like retire on a Super Bowl win – with knowing that he's probably only going to play until he's no longer a playoff caliber quarterback, unless you're winning the Super Bowl, your season's going to end on a loss anyways. And so everybody's like, oh, Tom Brady can't go out that way. He can't go out on a loss. But it's, you know, it, unless you set up this situation where he's winning a Super Bowl and riding off into the sunset, then that's the only way that he he doesn't end on a loss. And so I just thought that he'd always be a New England guy. I thought that he was going to be there forever. I started getting whispers that the Tom Brady leaving the Patriots was real kind of in like December, early January. And at this point, had no idea that it was going to be Tampa Bay. Didn't know Tampa was even in the conversation. But from some people that I was talking to, I was like, they're not just blowing smoke, right? And they're like, no, this is actually real. Like he he could legit want to leave New England, which again, I thought was kind of crazy. We get into January and February, and then all of a sudden I hear okay, Tampa's a legit option for him. Because we all make these jokes all the time, right? Any big free agent, we go, you get to live in Florida, no state income tax, 
and you're basically just going to, like, retire here anyway, so you might as well just, like, get to the latter parts of your career, make it happen, make the transition easy because you're still making millions of dollars. So we've joked around about that a lot, but the Tom Brady stuff kind of came into him, I think, really liking Bruce Arians, liking that the team stayed relatively similar to what it was last year, and then he knew that he could bring what they were missing and that's what they hope obviously nothing's proven yet but that was the whole allurement to it and I think this is a really fun challenge for Tom Brady not just in his professional career but also like in his life you know he's been a New England guy for the last 20 years you know you do anything for 20 years and um, I don't know if you get sick of it but you're probably just looking for at least some kind of change and so it's it's crazy to think that the Tampa was the team to win him over because even though Tampa has gotten big free agents in the past, it's been, I don't think it's been anything like this, but um, here he is, you know, they made it happen. Jason light, Bruce Arians, they were able to reel him in. They uh, did an incredible job of that. And for, you know, all the criticism that some of this regime has gotten, especially with, with Jason light over the last couple of years, these were the two big fish, right? He got Arians to come to Tampa Bay, out of, get him out of retirement and now we got Tom Brady to come to Tampa Bay. And so you could certainly look at his early questionable moves or failures as a GM, but he's starting to hit his stride. Man, things are coming together for him in this organization. Absolutely. Plus, yeah, go ahead. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, when you look at it, it, and I think me and Mark talked about this as far as Tom Brady coming here, we're like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Like, no way. Like, he's either going to stay a Patriot or he's going to go to, like, you know, Los Angeles or something like that where – I believe he's got a, a film production yeah, studio out career. there. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, for him to come to Tampa Bay, I mean, I think, and Trevor, you touched on this as far as the challenge. I mean, and I'll ask you this, you know, as far as the challenge going to Tampa Bay, you think it's mainly because he wanted to show like he can do it on his own aside from Belichick and, you know, as far as the coaching staff? Yeah, I think that that was probably just the main reason why he wanted to leave. Um, it, it just, it's always so hard to have really good players and coaches work together for as long as you do because when you're at the top of the pro level like it's egos you know like there have been years where Tom Brady and, and other players have taken like less money so they can sign different guys and bring them in but I don't want that to take away from the fact that there's so much pride in a lot of what these guys do and the reason why the Patriots dynasty I think was so rare is because it involves two of the greatest to ever do it in Brady at the quarterback position and Belichick as a head coach. And both of them could somehow work together for this long. Both of them were able to, I don't know, put their pride aside is the right way, to, right way to say it. They just meshed, I think, for a while. And then it kind of, maybe over the last like six-ish years, it was more of like putting up with each other, you know, realizing that if they stayed together, they would win. And then they continued to do that. But that's got to be the fun part for Brady. Uh, is that for the first time in 20 years, he gets to feel like a rookie again, right? I mean, like he, he gets to feel like a kid again, if you will, because he'd never hit the free agent market before, right? He he never was deciding between other teams. This was never really a, a realistic option for him. And now in his early 40s, he gets the chance to do something that really a lot of football players get to do when they're 26, 27, 28 when it comes to signing that second-year contract or at least hitting the market. And for for a lot of the guys that even, let's say they don't hit the market, let's say that they get a, a re-sign of a contract with the team that drafted them, by the time they're 30 and 31, they're probably 
getting either cut or they're hitting free agency. They're not getting resigned. So you get that eventually. For Tom, it had been like 20 years since he had this. And so that's why I think that it's it's got to be cool for him. Tampa kind of being the place, I mean, that's a different topic. But just overall, him moving teams, no longer being in New England, you're going to see a rejuvenated Tom Brady. And certainly everyone who is in Tampa is hoping that he. it's still the – assassin cerebral Tom Brady that comes with it but this is going to be a different look Tom Brady than I think that we've ever seen and also to add to that point I mean someone in the chat put out there Jaron Shilverett I'm terrible at pronouncing things but he said Randy Moss with Brady versus Mike Evans with Brady so that brings me to the point it's like <laughs> our massive amount of weapons so like Mike Evans Chris Godwin now you have Gronk and it wasn't just Brady we, we came up with the story it was his mama he wanted to be closer to mama Hey, mm-hmm. we all should be, but the amount of weapons that we do have on this team that probably also helped him just make it an easier transition saying, holy crap, if I have all this to throw to, it should ease my transition a little bit. Well, he wasn't going to go to somewhere where he couldn't win, right? Yeah. I mean, he yeah. wasn't just going to leave just to leave. Um, I'm sure that they were, because there is any time there's free agency. I know people talk about old tampering, blah, blah, blah. I have no concrete evidence about this, but I'm sure there were talks of like hey the door in tampa could be opening up you know he could be hearing something talking to people around the league whatever and so it being tampa was a good decision for him because it's a young defense on the rocks and it's an offense that has firepower everywhere and i think top to bottom this is the best passing arsenal he's ever had i don't think there's any doubt about that Um, with Mike, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and potentially Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, and then obviously that tight end room is amazing too. You're just hoping one of the running backs really starts to pan out. And this is truly the best supporting cast he's ever had. Now, people are going to bring up the Randy Moss, Mike Evans thing, and we already got the, the, the question to that in the chat. Yeah. Listen, if you have watched or if you haven't watched Brady and Randy Moss highlights, go to YouTube and just YouTube every Tom Brady to Randy Moss touchdown the year that they broke the record. The year that Brady had, like what was it, like 49 touchdowns, and I think Randy Moss had 20-something touchdowns. Go watch some of these passes. They're absolutely stupid. He throws, <laughs> Brady throws these passes up into double and triple coverage and just goes, I- I'm giving Randy Moss a chance to go get it. Now, I don't think he's going to have that same kind of mentality with Mike Evans. Maybe he will every now and then. He's certainly going to bet on his receivers. I'm not saying that he won't. But it's not going to be as much of a Tom Brady looks downfield. He's like, well, Randy Moss is on a go route, so here it goes. And then he just immediately takes over and, and, and scores a touchdown over three guys. I think you're going to see some flashes of Mike Evans there, but I'm I'm not ready to as much as I love Mike Evans as a player and a person, not ready to compare him to the greatest of all time quite yet. But this is going to be a very fun pairing getting to see Evans work with a with a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah, so I just quickly looked it up. Fifty touchdowns, eight interceptions that season. Unbelievable. Right? right? Like just fathom that number. Jameis Jameis threw thirty touchdowns <laughs> last year and, and we thought it was well thirty three and we just thought that it was a crap ton, right? Yeah. I mean, like, we thought that that was a stupid amount of touchdowns that he threw. Tom Brady threw, what, 18, 17 more than he did? Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. Like, just... Well, I mean, like you said, though, like, the amount of weapons he has, obviously that helped move the transition a little bit easier. 
And then let's also touch on, you said the tight end room, plus even came out in one of our podcasts saying we could literally run our offense strictly through that tight end room. You can literally Mm -hmm. be in 12 personnel and just run it over and over and over because that's how good that room is. So what do you think of Gronkowski's addition? I joked about he's closer to mom, but how good do you think he'll be after this year of retirement? And will he make an influence on OJ? And what does he look like in our offense, considering Arians wide receivers? Right. I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because last year we were having the discussion of, oh, Arians doesn't really use tight ends. Mm-hmm. We're like Tampa should probably trade off either Howard or Bray, depending on like how they start playing. Now, now all of a sudden it's the most crowded tight end room in the NFL, right? It's just funny how <laughs> that narrative an entire year later comes to uh, comes to pass. And so I think it'll be interesting for Gronkowski. Obviously, he's not going to be the target monster that he was in New England but that's less about his age and more about he doesn't have to be Mike Evans Chris Godwin are already in this offense OJ Howard's going to be an athletic guy that can stretch the field up the seam Gronk can almost simply be a third down guarantee a red zone monster and just a security blanket for Tom Brady and if that quarterback to tight end connection just stays a really high completion percentage Gronk's worth it, you know? And so everybody's always like, oh, what are they going to get out of Gronkowski? Like some people are saying, oh, he won't be anything. You know, he, he's taking a year off football. He's hurt all the time. I think the year off football is probably great for him. I think that his body loved it. Probably not eating that many calories, working out as much as he was. He's saying <laughs> he's saying that he's enjoyed getting back into the swing of things. And I think that he has because, you know, Gronkowski retired, I think, largely because of those injury problems and because his body was really telling him, like, hey, man, I can't do this much longer. So taking I, – I, I never – it never seemed like it was like a desire thing, like, oh, I'm going to hang him up because I don't want to play football anymore. It was more of a body thing, like, I've got to hang it up. That's the smart thing for me to do. So for him to come back, I think it makes a lot of sense. He's going to be rejuvenated. It's a, it's a new team. It's a new city, but it's the same quarterback. It's the same connection. It could honestly just be the best of both worlds and all that. And when people ask what can Tampa expect of Gronkowski, I go back to what I said originally. That's what you should expect. Being a third down player, being a guy who could uh, be a receiver as as much as a blocker, I think he's going to have a lot of energy having a year off of football, and he's just going to be that security blanket for him. And Tom Tom Brady really needed that, and I think that's why Tom was caping so hard for Gronkowski to come back. He guaranteed him what his role was going to be, and he was clearly happy with it. Yeah, plus go ahead. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more, Trevor. I mean, I think <clears throat> when you look at it, you just have you have so many options to create mismatches, and you know Gronk is probably one of the the biggest mismatches you can have as far as on your team. And I think just the attention that he's going to draw is going to create so much more for other guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at you look at like uh, Tyler Johnson, who you know I talked about. I think he's going to be wide ass open pretty much all the time <laughs> because. I mean, how are you supposed to cover this guy? You know, especially in the slot or, you know, Chris Godwin in the slot. I mean, it's going to be very tough for defenses. I mean, you put O.J. Howard and Gronk on the on the two tight end sets and then you can motion them out wide. I mean, defenses aren't going to know what to do uh, against that. It's really tough. And if, if Tampa can find their receiving back, whether it is Ronald Jones, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe they pick somebody else up, I don't know. But if they can find their receiving back, you really, 
it's it's hard to envision this offense being stopped on paper. Everybody's expecting a lot of things from the Buccaneers this year. I mean, I see some record predictions in the chat right there. Yeah. I don't think I don't think this is this is the year to win it all. Now, I think that they're going to compete, and I think they, they will be a playoff team. I do think that. But I think that it's really all about next year. Like, it's figuring out what exactly Brady might need to top all of this off to work with Arians and work with Leftwich. Another year of that defense getting a little bit older. I know they have some aging guys on there. Levante David's the big one to think about that um, doesn't have a ton of time left in the, in the hourglass. I think he's playing at a high level. It's really about setting up for next year. And so even if they don't get that receiving back that they are hoping to this year, they can go all in to get one of those guys next year because if you have at any given time Mike Evans or Chris Godwin guaranteed to be on the field and then one tight end of O.J. Howard or Rob Gronkowski and then you have a flex option of either having Tyler Johnson in the slot or a second tight end in in Gronk or O.J., maybe even Cam Braid if it's a short yardage situation – and then you throw a backfield receiving threat in there too, there's not enough defenders because Mike Evans has to get double attention. Chris Godwin is now basically commanding double attention. We saw last year what happened when Chris wasn't getting double. He, he, right. I mean, like he had, I think he, he, was in, he was in the top three of the NFL before he got hurt. Him and, him and Evans both were. And so you just throw in more of those options. Hell, if the offensive line holds up at all, yeah. it's hard to envision this thing not working out for them. And so that's not being overly optimistic. That's not being um, kind of like a, a hometown coverage homer. But like, it, I just don't know many teams in the NFL, if any at all, that could match up with the personnel the Bucks are shaping up to have over the next year or two. Exactly. It's just logical, right? I mean, if we could put that money, that much numbers up, and give the ball away as well. Imagine when we add more weapons to it, we just added at least two or three more weapons, got a better right tackle, so to speak, through Worfs in the draft. We'll talk about that later. And then we're just loaded. And then we got a better decision maker at the helm to make these throws to these playmakers. I mean, what? how the hell else can you find a way to stop us? It's, it's yeah. But then again, it's I, that's why I'm kind of driving a hype train right now because I just can't believe it, to be honest. But before mm-hmm. we keep going to the draft, let me address some of these things. The pewter cask over here wanted to know if you're a fan again, <laughs> a Bucks fan again. Are you a Buck fan again? Uh, no, I oh, am no. still, I am, I am, I am a, I am a member of the media. I am not a fan of any team. I can see straight through that damn smile. Don't don't even. <laughs> you guys can watch the podcast if you want, and you can see my facial reaction. But no, I am uh, I am not a fan of any team in the okay. NFL. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, and then also, I guess I guess people wanted to know some schedule predictions and just oh, or since you're intrigued by that, go ahead. Okay, um, I don't have it up in front of me. Hold on, let me look. We we can go down the list right now, and I could I could give you my way too early. You are not allowed right. to hold this against me. Schedule prediction. Hey, we did the same thing. I, I said conservative was ten and six, and I believe about to me ten and six. Yeah. Um, and then shooting for the stars, like thirteen and three, I think. Okay, regular season oh, at New Orleans. That's a tough. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say they lose at New Orleans. I see they. 
beat Carolina, they beat Denver, they beat the Chargers, they beat Chicago, they beat Green Bay, they beat Las Vegas, they beat the Giants. Damn, he's just freaking uh, stacking the wins, my man. <laughs> uh, I think they'll beat New Orleans. They'll beat Carolina. The Rams will be tough. Kansas City will be tough. I'll say they drop both of those. They're at nine. And I think that they'll get, out of the last four, it's Minnesota at Atlanta at Detroit, Atlanta. They're winning. If they win two of those, it's – so I think – yeah. It's just, so I was kind of conservative on that run there. I mean, I could see them winning all those games, but I think it's somewhere between 10 and 6 and 12 and 4. 12 and 4 would be really, really good, though. I think that, look, we can sit here and say, hey, this team on paper could match up with anybody. It's a different thing going out there and doing it. Um, it, it's it's just 12 wins is so many wins. That's such a good season. It's so hard to have a 12 win season. Sure. I think somewhere between 10 and six and 12 and four is realistic for this team. But man, if they go 12 and four in their first year with Brady, that's that is that is impressive. That's did, really impressive. Did it first year with Gruden? Why not Super Bowl bound 12 and four? It's true. It's Who's, true. Well, he lost it's twice true. to the Saints. So who the hell cares, right? Yep, just watched so much Buck football in my life that it's hard for me to think that uh, the 12 and 4 is reasonable in a first year with a big change. But that's <laughs> right. Over that, it's probably somewhere between 10 and 6, 12 and 4. <laughs> I, I agree. Our, yeah. our season prediction was actually 12 and 4. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think we're right in that, in that range there, that. like you said. So, all right, Trevor. So, now let's move on to the next nitty gritty NFL draft. So, it came, it went. We got a lot of new Buccaneer players. So what did you think of our first round selection, Trishan Wirfs and Antonio Winfield just running down the line? What did you think about the Bucks overall draft and did they get better? Yeah, no, I think that they definitely got better. Um, Tristan Wirfs is a fantastic pick. And I think even more than just the Wirfs pick itself, being able to stay relatively close to where their original draft position was. Obviously, they only traded up one spot. So picking close to that and still getting one of the best four offensive tackles in the draft. I said before the draft kicked off, I was like, there's no way they can do that. There's no way Tampa's going to sit at 14 and be able to get one of the top four. And pretty crazy that it happened the way that it did. But um, they're lucky. They're very lucky that they get Tristan Wirfs. He is, he's a ball of clay. That's the best way for me to say it. He's an unbelievably freakazoid athletic ball of clay where if you get the right teacher if you get the right offensive line coach and the mentors around him the sky's the limit with this kid i mean what he's able to do whether it's playing right tackle or left tackle he has the athleticism i think the functional strength love the wrestling background from him to be able to do it all basically everything that you would ask from so the fact that they stayed at 13 and they were able to get worse that's an a plus for me the second round and i've told this story a couple times I was doing a live broadcast during day two of the draft. And as we got closer to pick number 45, myself and my colleague, Jordan Reed, we were the two who were on the broadcast. Uh, a couple of the running backs had started to go a little bit early. Obviously, I know a lot of Bucks fans really wanted Clyde Edwards, Lair, and I tried to tell them, I tried to tell as many people as I could the week leading up to the draft because of what I had heard. I was like, he will not be at, at 45. He will not make it to 45. There's no way. Um, Did you think it was going to be a first round uh, pick? I didn't. I right. knew it would be close. close. Right. I, I knew that, that Kansas City was probably a team that was going to consider him, but I ultimately had Edward Lair as the first running back taken or at the very worst, the second running back taken in the second round. So that's kind of where I thought. I knew there was a chance he could go first round because there were a couple of teams that really liked him enough to maybe even trade up into the first round, but that's kind of just I, – I, I knew it wasn't going to happen. 
But as we were getting closer to 45, you know, pick 41, 42, it's like, okay, J.K. Dobbins is still on the board. Like, all right, I didn't, I didn't think the Dobbins were going to be around for their pick. 43, 44, Dobbins is still there. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to get, they're going to get Tristan Wirfs and J.K. Dobbins. This is, this is unbelievable. And <laughs> my, and and Jordan, Jordan said to me, he's like, what player or position would they pass J.K. Dobbins over for? And I told him directly, I said. Antoine Winfield is the only player that I could possibly see them taking over J.K. Dobbins. And I promise you, I'm not making it up. You can go check the timestamps. You can go back and check the <laughs> broadcast. It's up on Twitter still, so you can go check it. I said right the the pick before Tampa came up at 45, I was like, Antoine Winfield Jr. is the only player that they would take over Dobbins. Now, I don't know if he was the only player, so I can't credit that myself. But they did end up taking Winfield Jr. And it makes a lot of sense because – they have speed and athleticism on the back end. That's what they wanted to do last year. They drafted Mike Edwards because they thought that he was a ball hawk. He gave him what they wanted in speed, and he had some good intelligence on the back end. They were pairing that with Jordan Whitehead, who, as we know, is a fearless athletic guy back there, right? He's not even afraid to throw his own body into guys who are three times his size. I mean, he's just a reckless athlete. Back. Well, I don't say reckless kind of sounds mean when I say it like that, but he's just, he is just going one. I'm assuming he said 100% of the time. Dude, that has a lot of athleticism there. And, of course, Justin Evans, too. They're still hoping that he can get back to form, and the whole reason why they drafted him is so he could be athletic on the back end. They've got the athletes. They need the intelligence. They need the field general on the back end. They need the guy to be at the single high to point things out, to know where the corners are going to be, to know where the linebackers are dropping in their zone, to understand where the blitz is going to come from, and what might result from it you can tell on winfield's tape that he's got a football background you if you just took his name away obviously not knowing that antoine winfield senior was a 14 year nfl vet you could tell he's had some sort of family or football upbringing because of how good he is on the back end so those two picks highly impactful for them i really expect them to be year one contributors for them they're going to be in the rotation right away I fully agree with those two points. My only one question about Wirfs, do you see him doing better at run support than pass blocking at first? That was my only knock on him. He's a little too raw at first, and I feel like he gets it beat inside a little too often for my liking. But again, like you said, he's a ball of clay. He has everything as in measurables and athleticism as you want. It's just teaching him to use those traits. Do you see that at all? Yeah. Or do you think it's just going to be – I mean, nothing's going to be an easy transition, but how do you see right. him developing into the league? Playing offensive line in the NFL is very difficult, and making the transition is very, very difficult. Uh, you know, it's, it's just straight-up grown men in there in the trenches that you're going up against every single play. You know, even if you are at a Power 5 conference in college football, you might not be seeing NFL pass rushers every week. It might just be, you know, two, three times a year. Um, in the SEC, it's probably more than, than other conferences, but... It's probably still like two, three, four max you're really seeing these these NFL players go up against you. And so Worfs at this point in time is a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you bet on the movement skills that he has and you want to just be able to teach him those things. Like I said, he's like I said, he's a ball of clay. He's just he's got everything that you want. It's just then up to somebody to mold him into the pass rush or the pass protector that you know he can be you think harold goodwin and joe gilbert are those two guys to do it 
I, I like Harold Goodwin a lot, and he gets a fun project now with Tristan Wirth. And I think that he's been around the block for a while. He understands the game. He understands offensive line play. And even beyond offensive line play, he just understands offenses very well. So he understands what movements benefit the offense in a certain way. And he just he, I think he can tie things all together very well. And so I, you know, whether he's the right man for the job, we'll see that in a year or two. But he has a great opportunity here with a player like Worfs. And if you're an O-line coach, you couldn't ask for anything better than a guy who has the kind of ceiling that he does. All right, plus get on in there. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you look at Tristan and, you know, I, I kind of compare him to uh, Devin White a little bit. I know that they play different positions, but you talk about that ball of clay. And I think Devin White was that last year and just looking like he's got everything you want, but you want that mental processing to pick up a little bit. And I think he did that, you know, as the season went on and, and became a stud. So I kind of see that in the same realm for, for Tristan Wirfs coming up this year where he can, you know, kind of develop into what you want him to be and become that guy by, you know, midseason or, or end of the year to say so. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about, you know, adding him because I think it will give you the opportunity to run to the left or to the right. Yep. And you'll be a little bit more versatile there. And that will allow, you know, more for play action, you know, more for – you know, just moving guys around and it's going to, it's going to create a lot of good things for this offense. But, you know, back to Antoine Winfield, just for a second, I was very yeah. excited about that pick. I, I jumped out of my chair when that was the selection because he's, he's a first round guy, in my opinion, as far as tape goes, like he's just so intelligent, very smart. Um, you know, I compare him to, you know, Tyron Matthew and, you know, Buda Baker, I think is another good comparison. So, yeah, very excited for what he can bring to the defense. And, um, you know, why we have you on the on the draft uh, topic here, Trevor, uh, let's dive into just a little bit. I know you're obviously big on the draft network and you do your own podcast, Locked On uh, Draft, uh, NFL Draft Podcast that is really popular. You and Benjamin do a really good job. Uh, so just touch about like how that came together and um, really give us like an insight as far as how you approach the draft, because I know you are working it like pretty much year-round it's like 365 as far as your draft coverage goes yeah um well really appreciate the kind words on the podcast we have uh we have a lot of fun on there i actually got started on the podcast and this is this is really funny how how everything kind of came full circle i started on locked on nfl draft because john ledyard who is now mm -hmm. working at pewter report mm -hmm. he was the host at locked on nfl draft when Luke Easterling actually left there and that left a spot open. So John had called me and he said, hey, I got a spot on this podcast. Do you want in? I said, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a blast. And so I actually, John and I did it for about a year. Then Ben came in and took John's place. So then it, now it's been me and Ben ever since then. But the funny thing is, is that John got me the job doing Locked on NFL Draft. And, and now John does my job at pewter report mm -hmm. so it's yeah. just like it's crazy it's it's so <laughs> cool how those completely flip that way i'm super excited that uh that john is now uh covering the tampa beat because he's honestly one of the john's one of the smartest football minds i know like i've learned so much football from john over the years and just doing that podcast and um even outside of work and so bucks fans are going to love how detailed he is in his coverage of the team he breaks down tape really well he understands the game so well i've learned so much from him and so i'm super super excited that uh 
the Bucks fans have an opportunity now to to read a lot of John's work because it's a lot of great stuff. But it's it's fun covering the draft year round. It's definitely different, right? It's different than covering a team because you go okay in the season, all of the moves are towards winning games and a certain coaching staff, a certain scheme, a certain fit. Now it's much more towards I'm covering all of college football. Uh, you're trying to get your eyes on a lot of different guys, three, four hundred, five hundred guys uh, in a single cycle. And then you also have to try to know all 32 teams really well, not yeah. just their needs, but, you know, their coaches, their schemes, how people fit certain contracts with different teams. It's a lot. It's a lot of information that that I'm covering now from a draft perspective. But there's no doubt about it that the draft is is something that you can cover 365 days a year because it's the perfect marriage of, of college football and NFL football. You know, it's the best of both worlds. You're getting the best of college football moving into becoming the best in the NFL. And so it's a lot of fun. It's a process. I've always really enjoyed getting to cover, not just from a team perspective, but also these athletes getting to tell their stories and know where they're coming from and the things that they've sometimes had to overcome and just watching these guys rise uh, to stardom, if you will. It's, it's a, it's a thing and even get to cover as closely as I do. Yeah, some people in the chat were awesome. like, they were calling you Carolina Trey since you moved down or up there. <laughs> and then because Look, of... <laughs> some, I saw somebody at the very top say, to say thank you for Trevor because he moved and he brought the curse with him. <laughs> yeah, I saw you all owe me, okay? <laughs> I just every win above seven wins that this team gets this year, you owe me. Just so we are all very clear, I took the curse uh, and, and <laughs> to Charlotte with me. I guess there wasn't more than seven wins the whole time you were here. No, um, there was a nine and seven season, right? Yeah, nine One, and seven, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I did not cover the 2016 no? team. Oh, so right. I, Damn, I, 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 I started <laughs> covering the team full time uh, the 2017 season. So uh, 2017, right. 2018, 2019 were my three years covering it full time. That's right. Yeah. Damn. Well, then, yeah, I will thank you every time past seven. And then Maddie SOP said, get some TB12, <laughs> TB12 vitamins for having to go over all those uh, 32 NFL teams and knowing their schemes and everything. So I, I picture you with like the rain man's like mindset, all the numbers going up over your head, like shit. What, what are they three, four, four, three. <laughs> it's, uh, it makes it a lot easier when there's a lot of really great football writers out there. And I try to make sure my timeline and, and my bookmarks are filled with the people who know the teams best, because that's something that I, that I've have had to learn very quickly. Is you got to be honest with what you don't know. And as much as I want to know about the rest of the league and make sure I'm on top of things and know situations as well as I can, I'm never going to know the team as well as somebody who covers them full time. And that's just their job. So, I've, there's you form a list, you find people you love reading, you let them educate you year round, and you continue to enjoy the process because as I hopefully am teaching people about things and entertaining and, and a combination of all those things. I'm also learning year round. You know, I'm also making sure that, that I'm reading other people and, and, and staying in my work in that regard too. And then another, yeah. oh, go ahead plus. Yeah. I was just going to ask, like, just speaking on, on that, as far as the process goes, um, you know, what, what kind of like tips would you give as far as like, you know, when you're sitting down watching tape and like, how do you, how would you, you know, go about organizing that and making sure you're staying on what you need to focus on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, every, everybody watches tape a little bit differently. Uh, for example, there are a lot of people who listen to music when they watch tape. I can't do that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't listen to music when I watch tape. A lot of people like listen to podcasts and stuff too while they watch tape, and I'm like, how do you focus? I, yeah, I saw, I the people who can do that, I'm very... I'm very jealous of because they knock uh, many things out while they're just getting a tape grinding session in there. But anytime I'm watching tape, obviously it's specific to certain positions, you know, what you're looking out for. And there are positions that I love to watch just more than others. You know, wide receiver is a position I really love to watch. Edge rusher is a position I love to watch. Safety when I can get the all 22 is a position I love to watch. And so you'll always have your preferences. And that's something that I always tell people is that when you're getting into this business, and even if you're not, maybe, maybe if you just want to do this recreationally, you just want to watch some more tape, you want to be more knowledgeable about things, but you want to kind of create your own process, start with the thing you're most passionate about, right? I mean, like, I have a lot of people who go, oh, you know, I don't really understand quarterback play, but quarterback's number one uh, in, in Madden when you sort the roster thing, so I guess I'll start with quarterback, and then I'll go to running back, and then I'll go, look, if you're a wide receiver guy, watch wide receivers first. You know, if, if you're a big defensive guy, watch defensive players first. Anytime you start doing this, start with the thing that you love the most. You you will find that your most creative ideas, your best processes, your best tips and tricks that you find for yourself and how you become a better evaluator will always start out with what motivates you to go back to the screen, to learn more, to go watch another guy. So I always tell people, start with the thing that you're most enjoyable with and then two make sure you're focusing more on what a guy can do than necessarily just like knocking them and being like nah this guy can't play or things like that when you see the flashes that's what scouting is all about it's about what they can do now the limitations come into play when you're forming a full scouting report but even nfl staffs they often want to hear what can this guy do because often a lot of the negative stuff that comes with it could come from bad coaching at college or just a guy not being taught a certain way or things like that they can go look i'm an nfl coach i can fix this tell me what he can do what's his ability what where does he win and so that's always just a general overview no matter what position i'm watching you've got to focus on where a guy can win because that's the only way that you can really envision him being worth a draft pick for your team the rest you can figure out as you build out the full scouting reports yeah, awesome. It brings yeah, to mind like Sheldon Rankins when he was at Louisville. They put him mm-hmm. out wide so often. I'm like, this dude isn't an outside edge rusher. Put him inside. Be, let him be a three tech. Let him use that burst that he has. I mean, yeah. and that's what the Saints have been doing. He's been eating off of that. But I mean, that, that's very cool and easily worded out. I really like that you said that. But let's go back to more joking things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just in the chat. So JL Moore mm-hmm. said, Buffalo chicken sliders or chili? I think I know your answer though. Oh, um, Jay's Chili. So Jay, shout out Locked Six Crew. Uh, when I would go to when I would go to the home Bucks games, um, it was funny because <laughs> at Pewter Report we got three parking passes, mm-hmm. but only two of them were in the media lot, which is like the first lot, like right next to the stadium. And being that I was the low man on the phone <laughs> pole. And- like 20 years younger than Scott and Mark, they got the good parking passes and I had to park in lot six with a lot of the other fans who show up to tailgate. Luckily for me, lot six is like the the diehard tailgate group. So as I started to go to games and I started parking in that lot, I noticed that uh, Jay, who I got to know really well, him and 
uh, what they would they call Lot Six Crew. Yeah, they have nice. a tailgate and they're out there right when the tailgate lots open every time. And so, I would show up to games about three hours early. That's normally what I show up just to make sure I get up there and I get situated and everything. You get the pregame, you get something to eat, you get all your work done early, all that stuff. So. I'd show up about the same time that they would, and they'd have the grill going. And sometimes Jay would, uh, sometimes Jay would be cooking up stuff, and he'd be like, "Oh, you got to try this before you leave." And I'd hang out with them for a little bit. So <laughs> that was honestly one of my favorite memories of over the last couple of years of getting to cover Bucks games was getting to park in that lot. And so, man, he makes some mean chili, but I gotta go with the buffalo chicken sliders. Like those were, <laughs> those were, those were. That was a top tier tailgating food. And so if you're ever in the area, Jay make some mean buffalo chicken slider and you got to hit him up for it if you're in a tailgate area awesome all right Jay, well, to second that better better show up jay i want to see some of this <laughs> hey, he won't to, let you down i promise <laughs> to second off of that i know trev you're big on on barbecue mm. so now since you're in carolina what's your what's your go-to spot see i'm still kind of learning the area but right now we go to a place called Sweet Lou's, and it is—it's it, fantastic. It's—it truly can live up to the three sides minimum rule that I have. <laughs> awesome. I yeah. Different sides. They've got great brisket. They've got really great pulled pork. Uh, the biscuits and cornbread are also pretty good. And the thing is, look, I—I I know some people when they talk barbecue, they go, "If you have the right rub and you cook it right, you don't need sauce." I want, want sauce, okay? Like, I'm a barbecue sauce guy. There's all kinds of different sauces, and I love them all. And so I'm if you got good barbecue sauce, I'm going to be a sucker for your food. And not cause, just because I'm in it trying to take away the taste. Uh, this place, Sweet Lou's in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, is my favorite place so far. Awesome. Awesome. And then, Jay, I'm more, I have one more question. Lot 6 Prank, what's your best one? I guess there's All a right. lot. So, <laughs> so here's the thing, right? The game, the game would end, and I, I would be working for probably another at least three or four hours after that. We're recording a podcast. We're writing our post-game stuff. And so Jay and everybody from Lot 6 would be going back to their cars, and they'd be leaving. So my car was often the last car, like truly the last car out of the lot that was left. And every now and then, Jay would would play a fun prank, and he'd either like TP my car. Or <laughs> one time, they they made a, a a Miller Light or a Bud Light pyramid with all the empty cans that they had, and I had to individually walk them all to the to the recycle trash can and throw them all away. But by far the best prank, as much as I hate this, is he stuck a. I think it was a bratwurst or maybe it was a hot dog underneath the handle on my car door. And so I went to go open my car door and there was this slimy bratwurst in there. And I was like, Whoa. like I thought it was like a slug or something, like the biggest slug in the world or something. And so I was like, what the heck <laughs> is this? And so he, uh, he likes to take pride in, in his pranks of my car. So that was probably the best one. <laughs> hey, that's great at least it's showing some love kinda, I guess but I actually I had a couple more Bucks questions so yeah that's of, it of the draft of these like final guys like Kalias uh, what's his first name Raymond Raymond Kalias and 
Um, Chapel? Do you think any? Uh, Chappelle. Chappelle? Russell? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Do you think any of these guys make the roster or do you think they have a fighting chance? Just want to kind of get your feedback on that. I mean, my favorite guy is is for sure Khalil Davis. I mean, I'm a big Khalil Davis yeah. guy, and he got drafted in the sixth round. I mean, don't sleep on this dude. I think Davis is he is either making the team or making the practice squad, but I think that he's going to make the team because of how athletic he is. I mean, he's a freak. Him and his brother, let me, let me make sure that I have this right. I, they're in the 90th percentile somewhere when they were tested for these. Something like that, right? For defensive uh, tackle? Yeah, what was it? He was in so at 310 pounds, he ran a 47540, yeah. which is in the 83rd percentile of all defensive linemen, which includes defensive ends. Can they can they break this down more? I'm trying to see if D-line interior defensive line. Okay, yeah. For interior oh, defensive line. I love this. <laughs> for interior defensive line, a 475 is in the 98th percentile. That means there are only a handful of interior defensive linemen in the league right yeah. now who have that kind of athleticism. I mean, this that's the kind of rarity that we're talking about Khalil Davis and I also did a feature on them. I got to know uh, Khalil as well as his brother Carlos really well. Their family too. I got to talk to their their um, their adopted mom and dad and they're phenomenal people. Like they're just they're the people that you root for. I I know that Jason Light knows their entire story. I think they're gonna make the team. I really do think that that Khalil Davis is gonna make the team, and they're gonna groom him behind Dominic and Sue and Vita Vea. Um, Russell's kind of he's gonna be more of a speed rusher if he makes the team, and then Calais Campbell or Calais uh, Campbell. It's all about the same thing. <laughs> Raymond, Raymond Calais. He's he's again. He's kind of like a joystick guy, right? Both of these players, I think, were here to infuse more athleticism, more speed, more explosiveness into the roster. Not sure they make the roster, but they're at least going to push the guys that are there to say, hey, this is the standard of athleticism the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at. And if you don't match it, you're not going to make this team. And I think that it was more about more than these individual picks themselves, it was more of the trend of raising the floor of athleticism that we're seeing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Bruce Arians said himself, just get me athletes. I'll figure out what to do with them after that. Yeah. Get me the people who are the most athletic. And I think that these, that's what these two picks were about. I agree with that. Like pushing the envelope, even finding maybe a, a kick returner. Is it going to push TJ Logan or, I mean, yeah. like you said, special teamers. You've got to find every, those guys. Every year you're just trying to push how dynamic your football team can be. And I yeah. think that that's what these two, these two picks were about. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, final question for me, and this is, uh, you know, going back off topic from football. Uh, we know, Trevor, you're big in, in pop culture, so mm-hmm. I got to ask it. I know you love the the Marvel Universe, so is Thanos, right. is Thanos one of the best villains of all time? And then also, who do you, what do you pick versus Infinity War and Endgame as far as movies? Okay. I'm... Damn, Thanos just... like you really can't have one without the other because they complete each other so well and they are an incredible ending to what is an incredible saga with the mcu however infinity war is the better like movie on its own because they don't win because every single superhero movie the superhero wins and in infinity war you build up this this evil villain so high and then at the end they don't beat him 
They don't win. He wins. And that was – I remember I've never felt a feeling like sitting in the movie theater midnight, of course, when Infinity War first came out. And I just didn't know what to do. When the, when the, when the screen cuts to black and the credits come up and, and Thanos is sitting there looking across a grateful universe like he says after doing what he said that he would do, it's you're like, there's no way. There's – there's no way that just happened. And so I think that Infinity War is my favorite movie, although it's very hard to split the two. And then, of course, I mean, Thanos is one of the best villains ever. And I think the reason that he is one of the best villains ever is because he doesn't think he's a villain. Like, he thinks he's right, right? I mean, like, look at yeah. Thanos' entire thing. He believes he's doing the right thing. He doesn't think he's a villain. And so it's this incredible dynamic of two groups of people who think that they're doing the right thing, and yet one you, th- you believe is good, and then one you believe is evil. But that's an incredible, uh, yeah, an incredible dynamic that that they create. It's in that journey. The MCU journey is an unbelievable one. And just I know you didn't ask, but just because I gotta say, I'll give you a bonus one. Winter Soldier, <laughs> my favorite really? non-Infinity War Endgame movie. That is my favorite. Awesome. Yeah, I love Winter Soldier as well. I mean, it's a really good movie. Uh, but you know, just um, to second that, you know, I know you're you're watching Game of Thrones. Like, how how far are you into that now? Or are you getting close to the finish line? Uh, so I haven't watched Game of Thrones in like a month and a half, and I need to get back on it because I'm almost to the end of season five. So <laughs> stuff's like starting to hit the fan and i really need to get back into it but the draft was coming around and obviously i had to finish all that and i'm doing some recap stuff and then we started watching the last dance and blah 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 but i need to get back to uh to game of thrones because i got to finish it gotcha hey trevor i don't know if you noticed but there was a little bit of a lag the second when he said thanos and you were about to make a decision Mm -hmm. it like stopped for a second everything stopped i was like holy shit thanos just and literally, it just came right back. It was perfect timing. I was like, holy shit. So I, I, awesome. I don't know how the hell that happened. I guess either YouTube figured it out or Wi-Fi decided to say, I'm yeah. going to make this decision for you. But that was pretty badass. But before I let you go, I want to make one more quick buck-related question because this is something that we sure. kind of believe. So say this happens for our defense. Our defense, I think, is young, up-and-coming. It's going to be... So excited about the defense. Yeah, yeah right? But mm-hmm. either way... Say this is the worst of worse. If Vita Vea does go down, how much of an influence do you think he is on that defense? And do you think they can make up for that loss? I mean, do you see him as that much of an impact on the defense? And then if he does go down, do you think they have enough manpower? Because I know you like Khalil Davis, but I see him more yeah. as a one-gap rusher. Vita Vea can yeah. just hold up so much. Yeah, it's... I mean, Vita Vey is, is certainly important to this team. You know, I, I, I don't think there are a lot of other guys that can take up the blocks they can in the middle. I guess you can ask Will Golson to, be with his length, try and take up that kind of space, but Vita Vey does it so effortlessly. Yeah. I think his role is obviously very important to the team, but it's not as important as I think other roles are. And so if Vita were to go down, it would not be ideal but I don't think it'd be like a kiss of death for them. Like, I think that they would be able to recover from it. Although I could be wrong because if Vita takes this next step and becomes this true penetrating pass rusher for them, we've seen the kind of 
strength that Vea has on interior offensive linemen. And sometimes it just looks like he's just walking him back on skates. Like it's effortless yeah. for him. But he doesn't it, the light hasn't come on yet for him to have those quick hands and get off those blocks and, and know it, what he needs to do to make a lot more backfield production. If that comes on, nobody else can do that on like nobody else is is giving them that kind of opportunity. So if he is what he was over the last couple of years, like let's say last year, that's an important presence. Like him being an anchor is a really important part of this team. But I don't think it's a kiss of death. More as if if they really start to emphasize what they do around him pass rushing in the middle, then they'd be in trouble because I don't think anybody else in the team really has that kind of ability that he does just because he's so strong. Touche. Well, yeah, then based on that, what is the kiss of death on the defense? Um, I just literally man. Threw, threw a dagger at you, man. Um, <laughs> they're decently <laughs> they're decently well rounded. I'm I'm going through all of the because like even if they get hurt at corner, they've got Dean. They can move Sean Murphy Bunting outside. Yeah. If Dean goes down, they can move SMB outside. Nickel corner would kind of be suspect at that point, but they might be able to move a safety down to help them out. Yeah. I just think that probably I think Levante David, Devin White, or Jason Pierre Paul are the three guys that, that of the players on the defense that you could afford to lose the least, it's one of those three guys. Fair Although enough. they they can make up for it I think in, in some other ways, but those are probably the highest impact players that I foresee in 2020 being the most difficult because Jason Pierre Paul is a freak. Uh, Levante David's obviously a general in the middle, and I think Devin White's going to take a huge step up this year in confidence with that athleticism. So, in terms of like guys where them getting hurt would really hurt the team, those are the three that come to mind as the ones that are not. I can't. I, I don't know about kiss of death because I think they're really <laughs> well rounded. I really do, but that's where they would lose the most if if one of those three guys went down. A strong term, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, other than that, thank you for everything. All the comments, all the feedback, all the everything you've given us. I mean, always good seeing you. Actually, available to see you, not face-to-face -face because of this <laughs> right. pandemic stuff, but it's yeah. always cool. Other than that, Trevor, let everyone know where they can find you, where they can see your content, and I'll let you get on with the rest of your night. Yeah, of course, man. It's 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 awesome being on with you guys again. It's very cool being on with you video for the first time. Yeah. You know, when you guys upgraded, knew I had to get in on it. So that was great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I always do. It's always a lot of fun talking football with you guys. For anybody that might not follow me that's watching this podcast, at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. And then if you want to read all of my work over at the uh, thedraftnetwork.com, that's where you can find all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was awesome joining you guys. Had a lot of fun this time, and we'll have to do it again soon. Thank you, Trevor. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks, and Trevor. Yeah. As usual, awesome, good time. See you guys. See ya. See ya. On that, Buck fans, I hope you enjoyed, and we'll catch you on the next one.